Well, hello and welcome to the One Thing Podcast brought to you by the Horton Group. We're at the Horton Group. We specialize in insurance, employee benefits, and risk advisory. And I'm your host, Jason Helfert. Today, we're excited to have as a guest a friend and partner of the Horton Group, Executive Director of Illinois Partners for Human Service, Lauren Wright. How are you doing, Lauren? I'm good, Jason. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. Uh, it was, I got a hard-hitting question I want to bring to you first, but <laughs> I'll tell you why I thought about it. We were having dinner last night at home, and you know, I married my wife, Laura. We have four kids. And we're sitting there towards the end of dinner. Tess, my oldest, comes up, and she comes up with this little box, right? And the box has got kind of cards in it, and I haven't seen them before. She said, I got this at school. A friend of mine gave it to me. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. She goes, can we play a game? I'm like, sure, right? Kids don't play games with parents? No problem. Let's do it. And so she pulls it out, and there's just a question on the card. And it was a question like, what's your favorite food? I was like, oh, that's an easy one. I like cheeseburgers. And she goes, okay, it's your turn. I go, well, hold on. What, what happened? Like, did I win? Did I lose? She goes, no, it's not, it's, there's no, it's not a finite game. Like Simon Sinek says, a finite game, an infinite game, right? So it's just to get to know each other better. And I'm like, I'm like, that's cool, right? I'm like, as a family, you're like, well, I know exactly what your favorite food is. And I was wrong. It wasn't what I thought it was. Aww. What I thought it was cool just to get to know people. And so the viewing audience, I want to bring that forward here. I'm going to ask you a question. Just one. Super okay. easy to answer. There's no right or wrong answers because it's your answer, right? And yeah. so we just came off for a lot of people, holiday season, right? And so what is your favorite holiday and why? Oh, oh, that's a great question. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, let me think, you know, this is probably a pretty standard answer and okay. you know, it is what it is, but I have to be true to myself here. And I would just say for my family and my memories, Christmas is definitely my favorite holiday, mm -hmm. to be honest. Um, I think I have a lot of really positive memories from growing up and even as an adult with my uh, family and extended family, I have a pretty big family that's mm -hmm. grown over time. And so um, over the period of COVID, it was really, we did everything virtually and that was hard. So this was the first Christmas we were able to be together again. So it was really meaningful for me. So I guess that's my, that's my answer. Very cool. And that, that is my answer too. And you know, one, you mentioned a little bit, one reason why I love the holidays is because it brings people together, yeah. you know, and it's, it gives people a sense of belonging, if you will. Right. And yeah. so when I think about holidays, Christmas being one, it does remind me of Illinois Partners for Human Service for this reason. There aren't too many other agencies out there that do a better job at bringing people together and creating a sense of community that you do. And it's, it's almost like, this is not a religious podcast, but it's almost like one well, reason why I like religious institutions, it creates a sense of belonging and home and community for people. And that's what you do. And I've always been a huge fan of your agency because you do that so wonderfully well. And Mother Teresa said, uh, uh, so she said, together we could do great things. Sorry, I had to remember what she said. Mother Teresa said, we, together we could do great things. So in that spirit, what's the one thing or the one success story or the one thing you're most proud of when you think about Illinois Partners for Human Service and what that means to the community? Oh, that's a really great question. Um, so I would say the one thing that I'm incredibly proud of, and particularly in light of the past 
two years where I think we've all felt probably lonely at times. There's been a lot of experience of isolation, some of it necessary and some of it, Mm -hmm. you know, just because of our circumstances that we've been living through. Um, I would say that I am incredibly, incredibly proud of how Illinois Partners has been able to center collaboration as our way of doing our work. And I think um, I have always been a person who values collaboration over competition, maybe almost to a fault, to be honest. I think in sports, in school, not only was I not very athletic, but I also, (laughs) I also um, always wanted every team to win. Like genuinely, I didn't want anyone to lose. And I think that has been instilled in me since I was young. And it very much, you know, uh, influences my approach to how I lead the organization. But what's amazing about Illinois Partners as a coalition is together we see the value of collaboration and we see how important it is to not be siloed in our advocacy for the human service sector, to recognize the interconnections between health and human services, particularly in a global pandemic, um, and to just make sure that recognition of the fact that we are stronger together and when we speak with a united voice, we're actually able to accomplish a lot more. And so I would say that's really what I am the most proud of um, at Illinois Partners is our ability to work with other coalitions, other associations, all of our um, coalition partners and make sure that we're moving the needle forward. Yeah, I, I love that. Right. And I love that spirit because let's be candid. I mean, in, even in a, in a business world, for profit, nonprofit, there shouldn't be winners and losers, right? So because one agency got a grant doesn't mean another agency loses, mm-hmm. right? No, not at all. And so I love the spirit of, hey, let's, everybody, let's, what are the biggest issues and challenges we're trying to tackle? Mm-hmm. Do we think we can achieve that together or individually? Mm-hmm. Well, I mm-hmm. think most people hopefully understand that individually, you can be strong, but much stronger together in a group. And and so how many members, now that I think about it, how many members are part of Illinois Partners for Human Service. So what does that community encompass now? Yeah, so we now have 850 coalition partners statewide. And our uh, coalition is a little bit unique in the sense that it's uh, you don't have to pay to be a member of Illinois Partners. We're not necess- we're not a membership association. We are instead a broad coalition of different human service organizations representing the whole breadth of the sector. Everything from child care to care and support for older adults and everything in between. And so that ability to be that um broad in our scope allows us to really understand the interconnections and to build bridges within other communities. And so we have a number of local area councils across the state that convene locally, and they're made up of health and human service organizations so they can discuss issues that matter to them. And then we bring, we learn from those local area councils and bring that into our policy and advocacy at the state level. Yeah, I was going to ask that because I mean, you have 850 members, right, or partners mm-hmm. that serve a wide range of people. Yeah. And so how do you keep that all straight, right? And so, because that's a lot, right? Yeah. That's that's a lot of different initiatives, um, challenges, opportunities, constituents, uh, decision makers, people of the state that, you know, and so I've always been fascinated 
like you guys in IRF2, like how you keep this all straight, yeah. right? Well, and so it's, it's hard yeah. <laughs> and, I won't, and I won't pretend I've now been in my position for two and a half, a little over two and a half years. And I've only recently, if I'm being very honest, I've only recently started to feel comfortable with my kind of sense and understanding of all the different dynamics at play, both at, you know, in terms of um, our policy and advocacy and how we're advocating at the state level, but really understanding all the moving pieces. And so the way I think that we're able to do that is through not having all the information stay, all the information for our coalition shouldn't just be in my head. It should live in the areas in which we advocate. And so this kind of um, democratic approach to making sure that local areas are led locally by folks Mm -hmm. who live there, by um, organizations that operate there, and that those local leaders actually, most of them are on our board of directors and the ones who um, are trying to make sure that they're influencing at the local level. They also influence our policy at the state level. So I would say the only way to really do this effectively is to make sure the power lies within all of your coalition partners. And so if I'm no longer there, um, it would still be a really functioning and effective coalition. Well, that's a that's great leadership qualities, right? And so, hey, if I leave, this still hums right along, right, which is great. And so we talked about some of the things that you feel good about, right, that you're proud of, um, and not saying you can't be proud of challenges, right? Uh, but there are challenges that exist in any environment, in any industry, and I think a lot of people are aware and in tune to some of those challenges you shared. But if if I had to ask you, if you had to answer maybe with one answer or two answers, what are two of the biggest challenges right now that you want people listening to this know that you're facing? How can we help, right? And what do you want people to know? Yeah, I would, I really think there, there's really one primary challenge that our coalition partners are facing. And I will say as such a broad coalition, it can sometimes be hard to find the one kind of- the Maybe uniting. that's not a fair question. <laughs> no, 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 but, but to your point, actually in this particular case, we actually have found that uniting thread that all of our coalition partners, wherever they are in the state of Illinois are experiencing. And that is struggles with the workforce and making sure that um, and it's really a chicken and egg scenario, I'll say, for human services, because we are as a sector bound to lagging state reimbursement rates that are um, haven't been raised in some cases for, you know, multiple, multiple years. Um, we're often we rely on state contracts to do our services, and those state contracts don't always cover the cost of delivering those services. And we're in a really difficult time. We're in a global pandemic and human service organizations have been on the front lines responding to that pandemic. And so rightfully so, their workforce is burned out and uh, providers want to pay their frontline staff more. They want to give them better benefits, but they're in this catch 22 where they are um, bound to the state contracts Mm -hmm. that um, that they need in order to do the work. And so this, this is a struggle that a lot of our organizations are facing right now. And it's something that we have really, um, you know, we're continuing to focus on and bring to light at the state level and with our state legislators. And we recently were able to hold a joint advocacy event with some of our amazing association partners, such as IARF and many, many others, um, to really highlight this, uh, this issue and the unique nature of 
the workforce, uh, workforce related issues in human services, because um, we are not able, like many uh, for profit industries to raise our prices in right. order to better pay our employees. And so that has created a, a real crisis for a lot of folks. And it's something that we are holding um, really at the center of our advocacy uh, this legislative session. And so um, we've been able to collectively work together to highlight this. And that's why collaboration, I think, is so important. And it's why um, we as Illinois partners can't talk about this alone. We have sure. to work with our other advocates in our organizations to make sure that frontline workers and the very, very important work that they're doing, which is disproportionately performed by women and people of color, they are on the front lines doing so much of this, uh, much of this important work. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to talk about it and we have to be able to have that equity lens in how we're advocating for the workforce. And so that I would say is the one central challenge that so many of our community organizations are facing. And that's the um, center of our policy and advocacy agenda. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a challenge that is paramount certainly yeah. for human service. And it's, I mean, it goes well beyond that, right? So you talk to any you friends that are construction or manufacturing, it's, it's so widespread. But to your point about, you know, if you're a DSP on the front line working in a SILA, yeah. you, you have to be at work, yeah. right? You don't have a choice. Well, I guess technically everybody has a choice, right? But yeah. I mean, the jobs and the roles they're performing are wildly important to people's lives. Absolutely. And, and so when you think about that, and, you, and I'm, I'm very happy to hear the coalitions coming together and this workforce, you know, a tag team trying to figure out ways to, to better, I guess, attack this issue, right? Yeah. And so what are some of the things that have come out of some of those conversations, out of those meetings, planning sessions? It could be, hey, get a sticky pad, just figure out some things. Mm-hmm. What are some of the agencies doing well, success stories, like around yeah. some of this? You have well, any- I think that there is such... just so much resilience in the human service sector that we just don't, we don't talk about that often. But since the beginning of this pandemic, every organization in our coalition has adapted. They've made do with what they have. We have leaders who are now doing casework, doing what they need to do to make sure that the needs of their communities are met. And so that resilience, it shouldn't have been required of those folks um, but we can't not talk about how incredible uh, that has been and sure. how they have gone above and beyond to meet the needs of their communities. And so mm-hmm. as coalitions and associations, as a, as a health and human service collective, we, um, what we have done recently to really try and center, and uh, this issue was we held a workforce-related advocacy event where we heard from frontline workers and our state legislators, and the result of that was um, a list of uh, legislation that collectively, as health and human service associations and coalitions, we're putting, uh, we're putting forth in the legislature this right. session to try and address this issue. And so I'm happy to share that with you as a resource, but it's also something that we we know that we owe it to our community providers who have been continuously adapting and navigating this pandemic that making sure that they're able to continue to do that good work and to mm-hmm. be able to do it without uh, absolute strain on themselves and their organizations that's absolutely at the center of our policy and advocacy agenda so sure and so how could the people that are listening that maybe aren't already involved, and there's 850 that are, so there are probably more that are that aren't, so kudos to you and your team for, for doing such a wonderful job of getting your name out there. 
What is your ask of them? Well, I would say my ask would would be a little different depending on who who's listening, right, and who the organization. I'm not here to ask any more of my the providers and those you can who ask are them. Them. <laughs> I'll uh, ask they're, them. They're what do you want me so, to ask them? <laughs> yeah, they're doing so so much. Yeah. I will say sometimes um, as as providers, your stories um, as community based health and human service organizations, your stories your perspective, the perspective of your frontline workers, it matters to decision makers. It matters. And don't be, don't shy away from telling it. I see it as our responsibility to make sure that not only do um, those folks have a seat at the table with key decision makers in our state, but they're actually influencing and moving the needle to, to make progress and to address this workforce related issue. And so I think one of the most important things that community-based organizations can do is to tell their stories and um, to know that the advocacy that you do in your organization, it has a ripple effect across the state. Um, And I would say, though, for folks who um, maybe aren't in the health and human service sector, but they have, they know of a community-based organization in, in their community that's making a difference, any way that you can support them, whether that's with your time or your financial resources, just recognize that they're really doing their best to meet the needs of their communities and patience, kindness, and support goes a really long way. Yeah, very, very well said. And I was just talking to a good friend of mine, Ben Stortz, who you know, and he shared a data point. He's got plenty of them. Cornerstone's a wonderful agency. And he said last year, they helped place 106 people into new jobs. So think about that, right? So you're saying, well, why would I want to donate or help an agency? Well, th- that alone, 106 individuals now have a job. It not only helps them, right, with quality of life, right, but also you want to just look at it from an economic standpoint, fine, right? They're mm-hmm. contributing now, more so than ever, right? So it's, these stories are out there. And to your point about they just need to be told because I think people will listen to stories like that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think there's a misconception that human service organizations are not a central component of the economic lifeblood of their communities. We have economic impact studies across the state of Illinois. Peoria, in Peoria, we recently are just finishing up an economic impact study. Um, And the amount of impact that these organizations have as a sector um, to the local economy is incredible. And it's something mm-hmm. that I think that framing and recognition is also is, is important alongside the really important work that they're doing. Yeah. Well, anything we can do to help promote or share, uh, we, we, we'd love to do that. Oh, thanks, Jason. You know, you're welcome. And, and so if you look through your lens as the ED of Illinois Partnership Human Service, when you look into the future, okay, what are you seeing? What color, if you look, if you're going to say, is it bright? Is it kind of dark? I'm not really sure. Is it, is it look positive? Is it not? Or what's your lens tell you? Well, I will say that my entire life, the mantra that's gotten me through, um, through good times and difficult times has been the future is bright. It is always bright. Um, and I really believe that. And um, I believe that because even though sometimes progress feels painfully slow and it feels incremental and it feels like we may not be making movement, there's always a story and there's always um, 
there's always something to show that actually we are. And so my perspective is that even though we have been through some of the darkest years, I think of many of our lives, that our future is bright. And the folks who show me that every day are the community leaders like Ben, like others who have persisted through that hardship and who are making sure that their communities have what they need. Well, again, as Mother Teresa said, together we could do great things, right? Yeah. Well, Lauren, I want to thank you for being a a wonderful guest on, on our podcast. Uh, continue to do wonderful work. We'll support you any way we can. Uh, we love your mission. Uh, we love all the agencies that, that you partner with. So on behalf of people like me that are helping support people, thank you so much for what you do. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Jason. Well, that's a wrap for everyone. So on behalf of the Horton Group, I'm Jason Helford. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the One Thing Podcast. <laughs>